What does the scripture say about men and women in the church? Does God's word have anything adequate, authoritative, and sufficient to address the changing social climate of gender and our roles within the church? I think it does. So today we take a question on this very topic. Well, this is Consider It, where we're considering questions about life, theology, and the church. This is a ministry of Redemption Bible Church here in Bronfield, Texas. Do you have questions that regard life, theology, and the church? If so, text the word redemption and your question to 474747 and we'll consider those questions. To learn more about our church and everything we're doing here, visit us at redemption.bible. I'm Aaron Orozco. And I'm Blair Cushman. Let's consider it. Hey guys, welcome to Consider It. Today, we have some great questions that were submitted and we get to talk about a really interesting topic. And before we go into it, we just want to address that obviously in this uh, social political climate, it's going to be an interesting uh, and maybe a touchy subject to talk about it. But as Christians, we are not afraid to to go into topics that the Word of God has to, to inform us about. And before we even start, we, we just want to go over the basis, our, our kind of fundamental um, and basic assumptions that we are, are working with in how we're developing this answer and where we're getting our ideas from. This is uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. And so really, we believe that not only God is God's word um, straight from him and his mouth, but that it gives us everything we need to live in according to what he would ask us to. Amen. Um, Amen. And um, so today's topic, we're going to talk about women in ministry, women in, in the church, and really kind of their role um, in it. And That's right. We got a good question this week, didn't we? Yeah, we do. And, and as we start, I'm going to read just, this is straight from our, our website, redemption.bio. This is Women in Ministry. It says, Redemption Bible Church affirms the God-ordained and significant role that women should play in establishing and leading the local church. Every leadership opportunity is open to women, except those that are excluded by Scripture. The Scripture clearly states that men are to serve in the office of elder and that women are not to serve in church positions in which they exercise authority over men or in which they teach doctrine to men. This is 1 Timothy 2.12, 1 Timothy 3.1 and 2, Titus 1.6-9. We do not see this as an issue of equality, for men and women are equal under God. The Bible is clear that men and women do not have the same rules. Qualified women should serve in any leadership position that is not forbidden in scriptures. That's a good, so, uh, that's a good way, good place to start, you know, Aaron, and I appreciate you kicking off this uh, podcast in that way of like, let's go to the scriptures, right? Let's, let's start there as our basis of authority mm-hmm. and make sure that we're clear on that. And then also the, you know, where we as a church stand on these things. And so, um, you know, this, our doctrinal statements don't hold the same significance as the scriptures, but there are attempts. This isn't, this is what our elders have, uh, uh searched the scriptures and affirmed as what is true in kind of a systematic, clear, concise way. And so uh, so it's a good place to start, but um, I want you to read for us the, the question that was submitted, uh, and uh, let's let's get after tackling uh, this question now, or questions. Right, right, right. And even, let me just say this one thing, even right now where it's uh, in just this climate of, 
of our culture where it's becoming increasingly unpopular to to back down from what you believe in order to maybe um, comp- compromise truth in order to not offend someone. And I think as Christians, we're called to hold our convictions based on the word of God, not saying that we are called to, to offend others, but we should lovingly um, and gracefully stand firm in the faith. You know, that's what that's what God calls us to. And so that's why we're not afraid to talk about this. But we should be striving to, in love, um, show and point people to the Word of God. So this is the question. It says, um, here we go. What do, what do you say to the women who have been called by God to ministry through teaching? Do we as a church deny teachers based off their sex? If a woman is gifted feel convicted and called to teach and has a message that the world or the church needs to hear, how would you as a pastor respond and how would you call others to respond? There you have it. That's the question uh, for our podcast today. And and, uh, again, thanks, Aaron, for clarifying even our posture and how we uh, answer questions like these. We want to uh, be people of convictional kindness. It's uh, it's good and right and honors the Lord to have clear convictions, uh, but even as we articulate them to do so with kindness as uh, as we seek to answer it. And so I I love this series of questions that was submitted and uh, um, and. And, and think it's good and right. Uh, the scripture does teach on these things, and and uh, um, some have come to different conclusions. Uh, we actually kind of even maybe answered the question uh, up front before you heard it in our doctrinal statement. And so let's just take this kind of a piece at a time here, and uh, and and then and look at the scriptures. So Aaron and I have our Bibles open uh, in front of us, and we'll try to uh, take you along with us as we go through it. But this first part of the question, what do you say to women who have been called by God to ministry through teaching? Um, my first uh, response to that is praise the Lord. <laughs> For women that have been called by God to ministry through teaching, praise the Lord. Exercise that gift. The ministry and gifted uh, of teaching is a good, right, and profitable gift that God has given to the church to both men and women. Yeah, amen. Um, and uh, right, a- amen. And so uh, the next part of that question then, do we as a church deny teachers based off their sex? Um, I guess yes, because of what we uh, what we just saw in our doctrinal statement, um, and if they are teaching in the office of an elder, and so that comes from the instruction from First Timothy two, uh, verse eleven. And I want to read that for you, um, and then uh, offer some comments and and uh, and go from there. So First Timothy two eleven says, "Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness." He says, "I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man; rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control." And so just a little time out there, that, that, especially that last section is kind of confusing. Yeah. What are we talking about here about saved through childbearing? And I'm going to come back to that in a second. So hold tight. Uh, it goes on in uh, 1 Timothy 3 then to say the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And so the office of elder, pastor, overseer is one office or one role within the church. 
Um, and, and then those terms, elder, pastor, overseer, uh, bishop, even uh, in some context, it's really describing the various responsibilities within the same role. Um, I know some denominations see that differently and separate out the responsibilities into various roles, but uh, really, uh, as, you, as you look at passages like this, 1 Peter 5, Acts 20, all of those things are really describing the same office, just various responsibilities. Yeah, the, those terms are interchangeable. Yeah, that's that's that's. That's right. right. And so so First Timothy 3 goes on and it gives all of these character qualifications uh, for what uh, the character that a man has to have in order to occupy this office. And then the competencies, one of which is uh, able to uh, teach. Um, but if, if you jump forward then a little bit to um, verse 14 or 15 rather, First um, uh, Timothy three says, "If I delay, he's, he's saying I write these things so that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, uh, which is the church." Uh, of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And so one of the things that we have to remember is Paul's writing to Timothy, who is a pastor, and he's writing these things, teaching uh, Timothy and us as redemption and churches since that time, how we operate within the church. Um, And so, yeah, there is a a prohibition for women serving in the office of elder. Every other uh, office, including deacons, other ministries, are open to women women teaching in that uh, regard. And so I want to come back to it, um, uh, to some of these, uh, the the reasons why in just a second, but I want to continue on in the question because it's, it's uh, connected here. Um, The question goes on that was posed was if a woman is gifted, feels convicted and called to teach and has a message that the world or the church needs to hear, then how would we respond to that? And so, um, so I want to address that idea of calling, and then we're going to come back and kind of untangle the knots of, uh, of, of why this is. And so let's first talk about calling now. We just saw it here in 1 Timothy 3. This is, I think, the best uh, place to address this that the Bible talks about it because this, you know, Aaron, you brought up earlier like the the, um, social climate of Mm -hmm. things. And within Christendom or kind of cultural Christianity, um, especially here in America, there is this kind of idea of calling. Yeah. And it's this like subjective internal, I've been called by God to do something. God's called me to go to Africa and be a missionary. God's called me to sell all my possessions and uh, become a missionary. God has called me to be a youth pastor. And there, there is a real sense of that. First Timothy 3 talks about that. Uh, of if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble thing. So there is an internal aspect right. uh, to uh, to this, a, a calling from the Lord. But but unfortunately, what I think we, ha, ha, how we use that in our American context in the social climate is it is it's like this untouchable, nobody can question my own self-authenticating authority that I've been called to do this. And if anybody says otherwise, you are uh, opposing God himself. Right. Where I think, I think you and I would both agree. And I think the scripture teaches that all Christians have been saved and called to a unilateral mission, which right. is, which is making disciples to go yep. therefore and preach the, the gospel. Great commission, yeah. Right. The great commission. And it's not, 
that is not uh, reserved to pastors or ministers, but that as we are saved, we're not just saved into Christ, but we're called to something. We're saved to a mission. Right. Yeah, yeah, and so so that's 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 really where we're going with this is if that that calling our calling to be saved and then our our we are saved and then sent yeah every woman every man every Christian uh, whether you're a man or a woman is called of God to go and do that you have a message for the world and you may be you know gifted in various ways to uh, you know some more than others to teach that but everybody's go so I mean, as a pastor I, I read this question I'm like go please yes everybody is called and doesn't even necessarily realize uh, the urgency and uh, the the importance of that calling. Now, where where we have to clarify then is that call to ministry, and and so uh, okay, is there an internal subjective call to that? Well, sure, but calling is always tested, and it is always confirmed by the scriptures and then the people of God that He's put around you, and, and the, those gifts are being tested. You know, we can't just make claims about ourselves, um, and just because of the fact that we make these claims make them true everything's always tested things you know we, we need to come to the the final word to the scriptures and see these things and so um so that's that's where i just really challenge even this notion of uh, would a woman be called to being a pastor can she teach and and uh, and and does she have a message for the the world uh, and the church? You bet. And uh, let's give her every opportunity that uh, is not prohibited by Scripture to uh, to let that out. And so there's no no constraints really with that. Uh, as uh, as long as you know we're doing with self or, uh, without selfish motives and and uh, without an agenda, all those things. And so so that's really where we. Uh, that's what I'd say is okay. Are you called? That's that's great. I'm glad glad that you do. Now let's let's put that to the test in some ways and uh, and see can are are you apt to teach? Can you uh, accurately handle the word of God um, and uh, and go from there? Whether you are a man or a woman in that issue of calling. Yeah, and I think this is even. I mean, I wish I I probably should have said this earlier, but I think uh, it's important to note that when the fall happened, when sin enters the world. Everything is broken. Yeah. Like the way we think, the way we respond, our emotions, it's all from a fallen nature. And so what that is to say is that like, I think when we're studying scripture, when we're looking for truth, it's not to say that we should invalidate our emotions. I think God has given those for us to experience life uh, very uniquely from anything else. But we need to also submit our emotions and say that sometimes I think our emotions are going to respond hostile to the truth. And what we're called to do is to submit them and say, um, Scripture is breathed out by God and therefore I need to treat it as such. And so I need to let it inform me, my mind and my beliefs and and even then my emotions. That's right. And so not always are things easy to take. And not even that, that that's not even to say that like, for men, all our all our calls are, you know, easy. In fact, I think that's mm-hmm. something that we don't talk about. But the calls for men and for biblical manhood is just as difficult and and sometimes uh, just as hard to to accept emotionally. Yeah, 
That's right. All of our emotions, our our minds all need to be subject to the authoritative word of God. And uh, um, and so, so we've addressed this idea of calling kind of the nature and the role of it. Um, but now let's uh, let's really get to the heart of the question. I think this is maybe what uh, what where the question is getting at. Well, why is this? Why? Uh, okay, we understand what the scripture teaches, but why would uh, why would God prohibit women from serving in the office of pastor, elder, uh, overseer, who are responsible for the doctrine, direction, discipleship, and discipline of God's people uh, within the church? Why why would He prohibit that? And uh, and really, it comes down to a question of design. Mm-hmm. Sure. Of God's good created order, and uh, and God did this for His glory and for our good, and uh, and really relationships and you know submission, subjection, um, those those things aren't dirty words in the scriptures. They're actually quite beautiful as uh, we see even how God within the Trinity is uh, submissive to one another. Christ submits to the Father. And so any sort of uh, um, uh, idea that this is less than um, or diminishes the value or equality of Christ um, within the Trinity would would be obviously off base. We uphold the full deity um, of of Jesus as uh, He is God, and so um, so even to say that uh, that that women, you know, within marriage or uh, within the church are are prohibited from these things um, isn't isn't to diminish value or equality. It's actually to uphold the design and beauty of how God has created uh, things to be orderly. Um, and within that beauty, he things have been uh, corrupted. You, you rightfully right, brought up Aaron, sure. that that sin has has corrupted this. Yeah, it's 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 worth acknowledging. Like I think because of sin, because our fallen nature, there's I think a wrong uh, connotation to submitting. I think mm-hmm. we think submitting means uh, inferiority. I think it means less than. But if we look at scripture. Um, like you were saying, it's it's built into God's design. And I know, um, you know, we were talking about this earlier in the week, but some people would argue that submission came in after the fall, you know, to be a consequence of sin. But if we look at it, uh, submission was built in. God's right. design was for us to be submitted to him, to be fully dependent on him since the beginning. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's really an eternal thing because right. it, it, it originates within the Trinity, within the Godhead. And, uh, and that has been reflected in how he made both man and woman in his image. Um, and so this is this is really just an outworking of of those things. Um, and so let's 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 talk about some of the content uh, now. You, you heard me just read from First Timothy two when he appeals to he gives the the command that he doesn't permit women to teach or exercise authority. And then in verse thirteen of First Timothy two, he gives the reason, and his appeal is back to the created order. Adam was formed first, and then Eve. That's that's his created order in that. And then he he refers to then the corruption in verse 14 that it was Eve or the woman who was deceived um, what's interesting and this is what Aaron was uh, even kind of alluding to is that yes Eve was the first to sin back in Genesis uh, chapter 3 um, but when God comes and confronts Adam and Eve he doesn't confront Eve initially for her sin he comes and asks and, and holds Adam responsible for it 
Adam bears the brunt of uh, of of the responsibility for the uh, for the sin. Right, right, right. He comes and he asks Adam, "Where, where are you?" Yeah, asking the man, "Where are you?" Yeah, yeah. step up to the plate here. Um, uh, we have we have something to talk about, and so so this is what Paul is uh, is is getting at as a created order, and and uh, and 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 then the. Um, and then the corruption of it, and and we really see this all throughout the scriptures. Um, Paul's here, you know, it's several thousands of years after uh, the, the Genesis event, but but you see this even in the law. And I love this. I want to read just another question as well, because we we had a, a similar post or, or submission come in this week uh, through text that uh, uh, that really gets to the heart of this as well. And uh, and so it goes like this. They they ask, I've been reading through the Bible chronologically this year and just finished Leviticus. More power to you. Let me just stop right there. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Keep yeah. it going. You've made it through Leviticus. That's mm-hmm. some of the most difficult reading. Keep going. You yeah. won't. Uh, you won't regret it. Yeah, I'm not just casually um, right. jumping into right right and so don't don't give up uh, keep going but uh, the post goes like this it says this time around i noticed that when a woman gave birth to a girl she was considered unclean for a much longer period of time than if she had been given birth to a boy can you speak to why that might have been as well as to the role of women in the church today are women considered less than and are there things women can't do even after jesus came and left and so you see the uh, hopefully the the, the kind of the similar nature of this question and the one we uh, tackled to, to begin the podcast. And so I'm assuming that this this question is referring to uh, Leviticus 12, where uh, you know Leviticus is is laborious, <laughs> just all these rules about when you're sick, when if you have skin disease, if you're bleeding, if your hair is falling out, you have to do all these things, and you're considered unclean. Well, the, in Leviticus 12, it talks about the um, the the, how, the length of time that you are unclean after uh, for a woman that is after she's had birth, and so for a, uh, if she gives birth to a male child. She's considered unclean, uh, kind of basically for initial seven days and then 33 days. But if she gives birth to a uh, female child, then she's unclean for 14 days and then an additional 66 days. And so it's like double the yeah, time. Double. Like, it's like, dang, um, what's what's going on with that? Are women less than? And that would that would be a wrong uh, interpretation to be to say that uh, that women are somehow less than just based on that. What that is reflecting there in Leviticus and even coming back to First Timothy 2 is the effect of the fall. The consequence that God gave uh, to Eve and and then every woman thereafter of uh, the pain in childbirth and uh, and 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 the 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 difficulty that comes then from giving birth and being a woman and so not it's not less than it's just that's just what was symbolized there in the length of time, not that they are less than. And it's even what, what Paul is getting at, I think, in First Timothy 2. And so you, you heard me read first, uh, verse 15, where it says that women will be saved through childbearing. Now, that's a really interesting statement, but it's, but it's reflecting kind of a, a bigger principle here that we're, um, that we're trying to tackle and that, that, that the Bible, you know, really refers to throughout all its pages. So what that, what that verse is not saying is that you, if you're a woman, you have to have babies in order to be saved. 
That, that would be silly. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by the things that we do. And women definitely aren't saved when they have babies. That would uh, mean that until you have babies, there's no possibility or for um, you know some reason that you can't have children, then, well, I guess you're not going to heaven. You know, God doesn't work like that. Um, but what he's, but he's referring to is the glorious nature of our salvation despite the effects of the fall. For men, that was unrelenting, never-ending, laborious work that that that's that's what we have before us that we have to work hard for the all of our days and uh, and we will we by the sweat of our brow we will uh, earn our income and provide for our families and part in back in genesis 3 part of god's curse for sin was uh, pain in childbearing and and women who've had babies even 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 with modern advances in medicine and uh, anesthesia and all those things, it is a very painful experience uh, on a woman's body. Um, and so just imagine in the cultural context that this was written before modern medicine of all the pain that it, that it would have had and how women would die oftentimes in childbearing and, and it, it, it could even if they didn't die, there could be serious lifelong uh, uh, disabilities that resulted from um, from childbirth. And so, so what God is, uh, all that to say is really what, what it's referring to here is the glorious nature of salvation that God is working even through the consequences of sin. And that, that has practical implications even in the church. And so, 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 make the jump with me here. To make the connection with the with with the glorious nature of, of our salvation. God has created this this uh, um, this unique and beautiful order within genders, with man and woman working together. And so, that then has uh, uh, an effect into the church and why He could prohibit it. But it but it has a gospel connection because of 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 what God has done through Christ to save us, even despite the effects of sin. And so that has personal application and application within the church. And so that's where he can, where he can say, even in his good, kind, and wise nature, uh, that women are uh, prohibited from occupying this office, and yet that is a good thing. That doesn't mean that they don't have a voice. It doesn't mean that they are less than or um, somehow unequal um, or inferior or less intelligent or have nothing to offer uh, to um, to the church and to the gospel and to the leadership and uh, direction of, of a local church gathered. But God has, even despite sin, even even in the midst of the consequences, um, he has given them a beautiful place um, within God's people. For sure. For sure. And I think as we, we look at scripture and even what you're, what you're saying is that when, when we see mankind as a whole talked about in scripture, we we see, we do see an equality. We do see we are made in his image. But when we see men and women, you know, of opposite sex held in the same view, 
we see distinction yeah. and distinction does not mean inequality. So we, we, we see that I think scripture teaches us that men and women are distinct, mm-hmm. but we are equal. And, and I think it's, it's worth mentioning that being in a fallen world, the history of patriarchy and even now feminism, we have these two opposing combative things where I think we need to be teaching our men, our boys and our girls. I don't have kids, but I think we need to be teaching our girls and our boys um, how to grow up into biblical manhood and biblical womanhood to see that we are, that God created us fully equal and that, you know, we should be studying to learn more, both men and women about the word of God and what it has to say and how to live. But God in his good, perfect wisdom has created different roles for us and that's that's okay right and it's it's beautiful it's much better right actually right. um it's much more glorious and uh and you're right that's 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 a beautiful thing and and uh and a great way to kind of wrap this up here um because it's uh, it would be silly of us to deny the abuses and the 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 really shameful and painful things that have existed in um, not just in human history, but even within the church of patriarchy and feminism. Those right. those are both wrong and extreme expressions of 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 the wrong camps. And 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 here's the the problem in that is is they're not. The, the fundamental heart issue in both of those is not embracing equality um, and distinction. They're actually looking for dominion. Dominion over the opposite sex, and both of those, with it, whether it's in patriarchy or, or a patriarchal system or in feminism, is they want they they're not looking for equality. They're looking for dominion, and and that that obviously is leads to all kinds and of there's, simple things. And there's a fundamental like there we're in the in those two systems. There's a, a lack of understanding of made in God's image, and and good design that He has for us as men and women. And I think um, it's important for us to not be afraid to address those and not, and, and more importantly, not to react in how we believe from those, not to react, uh, whether you're a man or a woman, react in, in developing what I believe uh, to be a man or a woman out of those things. We're not reacting to those things. We are reacting to the word of God. And that's where we, that's where we get everything from. Right. Amen. Amen. Even if we can't fully understand it, right? Even if uh, it's e- hard e- to take in sometimes, e- yeah. Even even when it's uh, uh, it's difficult to believe, but yet we um, we're all here. It is we're all uh, submitted to the Word of God and uh, and all of its implications, both in our personal lives, in our homes, and in the church. And so we have to lead in that way, even if that is at odds with the social climate. Even if that isn't a popular message, um, our our you know responsibility is not to cater to the culture around us, but uh, we we are humbled under the mighty hand of God, and so we we're responsible to Him first and foremost. Right, and and in society where it seems like it's becoming increasingly difficult to navigate what it means to be a man or a woman. Um, as Christians, we don't have to be afraid of that. We can we can lean into that uh, knowing that, that Scripture is our authority, our ultimate authority, and we can trust that, that God's design, His good design, is what's best for us. 
Um, and if you're listening and you're, you're just trying to study more what it means to be a biblical man or woman, um, we just want to recommend this this great resource. It's called cbmw.org. Check that out. It's a website that really is, is founded in the Word. It's rooted in God's Word, and it helps us dive into what our cause, biblical men and women, is. So definitely check that out, cbmw.org. Well, thanks for tuning in to Consider It, a ministry of Redemption Bible Church here in New Braunfels, Texas, where we are taking on questions regarding life, theology, and the church. If you'd like to submit a question, text the word redemption and your question to 474747. To learn more about our church, visit us at redemption.bible. We thank you for your support and listening, and we hope that you'll join us next week as we consider it.